Welcome, everyone, to episode number 32 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I hope you can hear the smile on my voice because I've got a really close <laughs> I adore. Uh, Savan Fagan is joining me. She's back. Uh, Savan was on in an old episode with me and when Dean was still my co-host. And if you're not familiar with Savan, because Savan has this stubborn determination not to build social media, and I think she's actually a wonderful role model for people in that regard. But she is a writer for Self Magazine. She's really been putting out a lot of stuff for Self. Uh, she's also written for Bodybuilding.com and Team Nation. Savan, it's wonderful to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good so to see you. I, it's great to see you. Uh, let's start with what you have been up to most recently and focused on. I know that one of the things we talked about off air was your focus on transitioning more and more and more this past year into online training, despite the fact that you were making a lot of money training in-person clients. Um, well, it's mostly because I was forced to do it because of COVID. So, um, you know, when COVID started, it's been a year, right? A year ago, this month, a year ago, um, I basically transitioned everyone to an online uh, format. Basically, I emailed when the second we, we were in a lockdown here in Maryland, I, I emailed everyone and said, hey, this is the situation. Whoever wants to join me and basically train online, um, let me know. And basically they all did. So it's amazing. And we kind of like stuck to it for now, obviously, because, you know, some people are still fearful, you know, from the virus and all that. And honestly, for most of them, it's more about conveniency. And they get literally the same workouts, you know, they, they, they get the, the same benefits you know, but all of them, I do have a background of, you know, a history of, you know, in person. And that's probably so. a testament to the strength of the relationship you have with them. Absolutely. And so everybody's going to be in a different circumstance. Like, I mean, I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, and Alberta was moderate in its approach to this stuff. You're in Baltimore, Maryland, which I presume is probably a bit more aggressive. Oh God. Yeah. Get anyone who's in a major urban, dense urban center, and this was a bigger problem and a greater danger, greater threat. So anyone who is in God, Manhattan or Los Angeles or, or downtown Seattle or any of these other uh, similar cities where things were really out of control, then, you know, you probably were forced into this situation for a longer time period. And I know that you know, the people who successfully adapted probably had to have a major shift online. And not everybody is going to go back to the way it was. I love in-person training. And I was able to actually in-person train virtually the entire time, despite the closure of our gyms at home studio. And, you know. Wait, I, what do you mean home studio? You what, Why did you have to close your home studio? I know I was able to keep my home studio open. Let's oh, just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within a, maybe a gray area. So anyone listening probably kind of understands what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, some of my clients loved the ability to continue through the, the difficult times. Some have basically Correct. very clear that it's saved their mental health throughout it all. And but I was I was fortunate to have the resources, the space and get the equipment quickly to be able to run uh, a home studio. And so what I do now is now that a bulb is back opening and I do my weekday daytime, you know, about 10 to 4 in the afternoon at uh, Evolve. And then if I have evening clients, you know, the five to nine window, yeah, I work a lot of hours and some weekends. And then I will work out of my home. And it gives me more time here with Ozzy and in my own home. <laughs> uh, for a long time there, I felt like, you know, I'm working this hard. 
and I'm never home to enjoy my home. So uh, I've been enjoying the balance. But back to, of course, yeah. the online side of things, I guess, what are your thoughts on the future of your career? You know, what you want to do with it, if you want to stay entirely online and any philosophy you have around, you know, trainers approaching online. I know we had talked a little bit about you know, the, the, the challenge around new trainers also doing online work and your thoughts there. Right. Um, I think with me personally, for me personally, um, I'm definitely, I loved online only because it's convenient, right? It's convenient for everyone. Um, you know, you don't need to drive, you, you know, you get, you know, you truly get the most out of the session. Um, however, I do also love the in-person aspect. So I think a combination is best. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go, I mean, even though currently I only have one person in person, but the rest of them are all literally all online in Zoom. So again, I think once things start opening up a little bit more, so maybe it's a combo. So if some clients want to do like a combo, maybe like, you know, one training session in person, one training session online. So I think it just gives us a lot more, you know, flexibility. And um, yeah, that's as far as, as far as uh, my personal approach and what you've also said too is you said zoom so yeah. you're actually spending one-on-one -on -one zoom hours so i've been using the Correct. term virtual i think that's kind of the common term to describe Correct. that part. you also have online coaching programs where you're oh. building and, and programming people but not spending the hour on the video with them yeah too. yeah i know we need to differentiate it now because you know back in the day it was only online online was really just programming now online can also be virtual correct yeah Correct. So yeah, I do also, um, you know, online programming and, and Zoom. But I think the cool thing about it, again, that now when you have um, Zoom, you can truly train people from all over the world. Look, if you talked to me a year ago, a year and a half ago, I would have said, I would have never started a client online with me. I would like to see them in person. I want to see how they move. I'm very, very anal about the specifics of every single thing. And you know, I, I want to see from all different directions. And, but then now we were kind of like forced into the situation that now I kind of like, you know what, I have the experience of years of in person, I was forced to go online, why not actually try to expand it. So recently, for instance, my recent client, my most recent client is a, is a woman from Canada. And um, I work with her sister in, in Maryland, in Baltimore online, but she said, hey, I want to get, I want to purchase my sister, you know, a three month package with you and see, you know, what you can help her, blah, blah, blah. And it's amazing. So again, I think that it, it, it allowed a lot more. We have now as personal trainers, we have, a, we have a lot more reach and a lot more flexibility. Is it amazing to sit on your butt or walk around in circles when you train? No, it's not. Trust me. I, I, I definitely love the in-person interaction. So I think a combo, I think, is, is the best, honestly. And I think you raise an important point there, too, that I personally can't do is just hours upon hours sitting. I know. On screen, right? Because I find that really challenging. So I do like the stuff. And I think, again, it varies by geography. It varies by your, your desires. I think there are people who will really love being remote 100%. And I think there are people that will always crave the, the gym floor. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think it depends on personality. Correct. And a lot of, and again, like I said, like a lot of my clients were like, were like, actually, like, 
we're loving it. Like we seeing the same. And even, you know what, even after three months in lockdown, we were, we went back to the gym and my client is, is like, oh my God, I didn't lose any strength. I'm like, of course you didn't because you actually did the work in the lockdown. You didn't just, you know, you continue, maybe you didn't have access to heavy, heavy weights, but you still did, you know, you still kept up the intensity, you kept up the volume, you know? So again, I think it, it just allowed you know, a lot more flexibility. And especially, you know what, especially as trainers, if we ever want to relocate, if we ever want to go somewhere and, you know, even like kind of like a mini vacation and still want to make some money, you know, because obviously, of course, you know, majority of our livelihood, I mean, obviously maybe you have passive income a little bit, but majority of our livelihood is, you know, uh, you know, pay by hour, right? I mean, if we don't work, we don't make money. Simple as that. So I think it allows, again, it allows us to have a lot more flexibility and also the clients. If the clients want to go on a vacation, I've had many clients that went on a vacation and I trained them and <laughs> it was amazing. It's awesome. And I think, again, you keep up the consistency. And I think with clients, with people love it. People love consistency. People love routine, especially when it comes to, to working out. And it just like, you know, if you work to, with people that truly do, I think, appreciate what you do and see the benefits then it will be an ongoing thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, the thing about relocating, I think is important too. And, you know, I don't know if anyone listening has been forced to, to move. I know there's a lot of people in the industry who have left some of the jurisdictions that probably either due to urban density or just, I, I'm going to say it, po terrible political mismanagement of this whole thing. And right. I, I will single out California on that one and their governor and how he's dealt with this, you know, having your gym closed for an entire year is, is really quite astonishing. So I, I can understand why someone, and I, there are many people I know who've done this, who've decided I'm leaving California and they're moving to other places where, you know, maybe the, the approach to this has been a bit more reasonable, more moderate. Uh, you know, Alberta has been fairly moderate in how it's dealt with it. Uh, and okay. I think anybody who's been in Toronto is you know, spent a lot of time with the gyms closed and they found it pretty rough. Whereas a lot of Western Canada, like even British Columbia, you know, they actually did a really good job with this whole thing. But again, I don't want to venture into political stuff because, you know, that gets really contentious, but it is a factor in the future. If you live somewhere that you are worried whether or not you're, they're going to shut your physical facility down again, or let's say you live in a small condo and you don't have the space like I do with an entire basement to, to put a squat rack and a cable tower and all these other sort of things in there then you, you actually kind of have to think about this stuff for your long-term yeah. job, right? But, but you know what? It makes you such a much better trainer. I think I became so much better because I think, I guess when you're online, maybe you're trying, like, you know, I think you're kind of, I guess, trying to compensate that you're not in person with them and you're trying to bring a lot of value to the session, even though you're not physically with them. So you're so, you're, hyper I feel like I'm much more focused in the sessions even though I was focused before but now I'm like you know much more focused I think and and I think also like you know just by okay so you know you're telling a client you know you're saying do whatever do an exercise but then you have to think okay cool so it looks good from here show me a side view mm -hmm. show me a back view so my clients and they already know it and I think again like it's just I think I think it does make you a better trainer assuming you have the years under your belt in person. So let's go there, right? Big and emphasis you, on that. You feel very strongly that 
you know, you can't just be that day one trainer who starts online with the in-person experience. As we talked, often, so I've got an article uh, that I wrote for True Coach several months ago, where, you know, we, we also get this, this blanket statement that you see sometimes from, from people who've been around the industry a long time is saying, you must train a minimum of five years in, in person before you can train online. Now that's bullshit. Yeah, I think it's bullshit. Though. It's big bullshit. It's it's the the way it always was. I think even a lot of the people who said this kind of stuff, and the person who did quote this is someone I like a lot. I won't say who, but it's someone I have a, a ton of respect for. But it's someone who also tends okay. to blunt sensational statements to get reactions on social media as well. But it's a smart person. Okay. So who it is is irrelevant. But we we've seen the world change, and one of the arguments I made is, you know, let's say you have a trainer in a commercial gym who's worked for a total of six months. But they've got their their clientele. They built it up a little bit. The clients really like them. And let's say their gym got closed. Does that person not have the right to do Zoom training? Which I think of virtual training is a little different than online. Right? You still have that, you know, that relationship with virtually everything except for spotting them. You can't do that. But does that person suddenly not have the right to maintain their livelihood? Support right. who likes them that they know really well. So. I don't think there's an arbitrary cutoff and anyone who makes such gets a little misguided. And then the last thing I'll say before I let you just go with it is I believe that going forward, newer trainers will learn online concurrently and gain that experience as they do in-person training because of just the nature of the world. It's changed the social media, the proliferation of platforms like true coach, like Trainerize. And people like Jonathan Goodman and the PTC and the Online Trainer Academy teaching these skills versus trainers just having to learn them from a, a core is community it, that always did it. Is it. I'm going to cut you off for a second. Is this certification, like, do they teach? I, I never actually looked into it. Do they teach into, do they teach essentially virtual training? What is the, the online training? Is it like more programming or is it actually it's trainers what, who want to do virtual training with people, with clients? Unless they've added anything in the latest update, there's nothing specific about the virtual side of stuff. It really is about both learning the skills and, and even that not so much like the technical skills of how to program a squat versus a Romanian, that stuff. It's, it's not about that stuff because we should bloody well have those skills. Right, absolutely. It's about how to build a business, how to market the business, how to develop the business and be successful with that but also okay. a lot of the critical human interactive things that transcend online into in-person skills that will simply make you better at taking care of a client, no matter the venue. So it's a good program. I've done it. I like it. Okay, cool. So your thoughts. My thoughts. Okay. I think that there's definitely, okay. There's not a cutoff for sure, but I think there's definitely a, an X amount of time that you need as a trainer to feel comfortable in your skills to coach people and then, and then essentially progress to, 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 um, to virtual training, you know, at the beginning, look, as a new trainer, for instance, I can tell by myself, I mean, did I, I mean, when I, let's just say I told the client, right. I'm like, do a squat. Did I look at the squats from different angles and he's a new trainer? hell no you know I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> but I feel like with more time more experience and 
you know, and going for continuing education and, you know, and seeking out, you know, mentors and all that, I think you get, you know, obviously with experience, you get a lot better. And then, you know, when, again, I don't have a specific time frame. you know, be an in-person trainer for a year. I don't have that, but I think you need to feel comfortable enough that you can get pe people results, right? And help people and then being able to do it from distance. Um, you know, with me personally, like I said, all of my clients, I do know them. I know how they work. I know, you know, I know their bodies. I've seen them in person. I've trained them, majority of them, not less, not less than three months. I have, you know, the, the, the information, you know, I know what I, what I want to do with them, but from someone, you know, who lives, you know, in the UK or lives in Canada or whatever, I don't have that. So I can do the best that I can with them. But again, I feel like, online virtual training without first seeing in person will take more time to get to where they want to be compared to in person and that's because right you can say no do this no do right you can say how to do things you can coach them but that would essentially take a longer time compared to if you stood next to them and you like put their body in a better position right or angles right the whole idea of like okay where should we put the computer where should we put the phone you know, so essentially, you can say that if you've never, right, if you're only doing um, uh, virtual training, but you never seen the person, the client in person, it would essentially can take longer that I noticed. But on the other side, you know, if you're the better choice for the client, if where they live, they can't find anyone competent, then why not? Right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think you, you're right in that we can't say an exact time frame. And also time frames are kind of a silly metric anyway, because different trainers accumulate different amounts of experience over the same Correct. time. Some Correct. You can train, you can train 10, 10, 10 hours a week, or you can train 30 hours a week or 40 hours a week. Right. So really, you're right. hundred percent. And not everybody has the time bandwidth or the interest to dive into educational stuff you are unfortunately god you are voracious in your diet your dive into you know strength training uh you know all yes. the training and nutrition stuff early in your career to complement yes. the experience that you gained as well so you over the time frame you've been training you accumulate a lot of the stuff very very rapidly a lot of skill you're able to charge you know a significant amount of money for your in-person time great with your relationships and then that transcends into you know greater renown in the industry to where you are writing for the bigger more well-known publications so let's go there because sure. you know, it's something that i end up talking a lot with followers who message me and it ends up you know, being a conversation on the, on the podcast, I personally think there's a lot of value in writing, being a good writer uh, yeah. and not just long form article writing, which I still think is a really good piece of career capital to establish. Let's say you're building a social media following and someone finds you a, if they find you, they, someone shared your post, like, Oh, that's really cool. And they go in like, Oh wait, this person writes for bodybuilding.com like you do or T nation or, you know, something else of, of note. Then like, Oh, Okay, and that validates the choice to turn around and follow that person. If you even write for your own website, there's still more. Let's say you have a podcast. Let's say you have a YouTube channel. There's more depth that someone who likes your ideas can explore. I would think, and if anyone can you know, message me, if you, you've seen this, you find someone seems to be a, a, a personal, a, a notable person in the social media world and fitness, 
and you go on to their profile, but then you find their social media is really all that there is. There is no other long form depth outside of yes. social media. Yes. It's almost a little disappointing. And I want to be careful how I say this, but I find it, it, it fails to meet the same standard of credibility as yes, the of course. like who, you and I. Absolutely. Share. I think we talked about it. I think we yeah. talked about it. Did we talk, when was the last time I was here? Uh, 2019? I, I, I was yeah. writing the last podcast. Didn't we talk about how essentially, right? Anyone can write, they're a anyone can say they're a trainer in the profile, right? It doesn't take a lot. If you have a, Especially nowadays, if you have a nice body and right, and you know when you know it and you know how to work out, essentially you're a trainer. But again, people, I think people want more. And I mean, I think I think nowadays because there's such a big, you know, there has been a big, you know, explosion of you know fitness and fitness motivation and blah 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 and social media. I think nowadays people do better research. I do think that because when I ask people, you know, when I ask potential clients, potential people I work with, how did you hear of me? They're like, oh, you know, I, I, I saw, I saw a workout. You work, I saw a workout that you, you, you wrote for self, or like, you know, I was in a group. One of my clients found me in a Facebook group, and he asked, you know, if any trainers in Baltimore for people who are, you know, above above fifty, and he's like, and people recommended you, and I have no idea, right? So I think it's it's a matter of. Like I told you last time, I think it's a matter of putting out good content that can um, really help people. And, you know, the way that I do it is from working with people, like anything that I write, anything that I that I um, that I share, I think it's from my own, you know, conversations with clients and, and, and past experience. I try to gather my thoughts to, to go into that. I was one thing I was going to say was some of the people that you and I have learned a lot from, we would, you know, count as shared influences. I think Tony Gentilcore is an example. You know, Brad Schoenfeld's a good one. Tony's amazing. Tony's an, yeah. Oh, Tony's good. So let, let's use Tony as an example. What does Tony do? Tony has been writing his own blog and for T Nation and other major publications for a long time. I think if you went on Tony's website, you'd probably see 10, 15 different as seen on, right? So he's, he's known as a prolific writer. Uh, we we're talking recently and he sort of laments the fact that now he's got Julian, his little boy, he's not been able to dive into that as much, right? He misses those days where he was writing more. Uh, Tony yeah. was a part owner of Crisis Sports Performance. And in more you know, that's how I heard of him. Right. In 2009, the first people in the strength, strength and fitness and conditioning world that I really followed was Cressy. Right. And, and Jennifer, that's how it, 2009, before I even got certified, just when I was like, just lifting weight, <laughs> you know, and kind of like figuring out what I want to do with my life. And it perfectly illustrates our point is, you know, we find all these people that have been major influences of ours, and they had a, a volume, a library of what I term career capital to dive into and explore. I mean, some of the other people I really like, I like Mike Isertel's work. What does Mike Isertel have? You know, I mean, sure, he's got a big company in Renaissance periodization with his team, him and uh, Nick Shaw and the rest of them. And then they also have a lot of books. I just ordered one of them. Um, I can't wait to start diving into that. There is a mountain of YouTube video stuff. Mike is really, really good audio video because he's entertaining. He's funny. He's intelligent. So you can dive into that. That's a rabbit hole that you may never come out of. There's so much stuff there. So. I mean, and that can also seem daunting to someone who's just starting out. Well, how do I compete with that? How you have to start one piece at a time. You don't compete. You don't compete. 
there's nothing to compete. Literally, you don't compete with anyone. You just focus on yourself and focus on your clients and focus on, 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 on learning more and growing and training at the same time. And it's really a matter of time, 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 consistency, and, 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 and do the work, you know, train people, train people, actually train people. I like to look at it this way too. You, let's say someone listening has a smaller social media following, whatever you define as small. Okay. And if you think that, well, you know, I don't have the following, I don't have the name, I haven't done all the stuff. Therefore, you know, I, I, I haven't earned the right yet to put my thoughts out into bigger form or even even social media posting. Well, how many people on your social media ask you a lot of questions, already train with you, really like what you're doing? And yeah, maybe they know who. Tony Jellicoy or Mike Isertel is, but you're their go-to. If you fail to take your experience and knowledge, your unique capability, and put more of it out there to serve those people, you are letting those people down. And especially if you're worried about the approval of people who don't matter, that someone would criticize what you're doing. Oh, of course. You would be pandering to someone who is not helping you, not your supporter, and failing to help the person that matters most, who's the person that really loves what you're doing. And no matter how big or small your social media following is, you have people that will hang on everything that you do. You are their go-to. So right. serve those of, course. of course, absolutely. And again, I think, um, I think it's kind of like when you're in social media, it's kind of like, it's a bubble, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not real world. So essentially Whatever you put out there, there is going to be someone that you can help, even though, even though you've seen, you know, the same content essentially over and over and over again. Don't think that just because, you know, you saw 10 different people post about the same thing that you're going to be the 11th person and then people are going to dismiss you or not pay attention or whatever. There's always someone you can help and someone, even there, there are a lot of people also that are quiet. They might not be, you know, very, um, um, you know, they might not provide you with feedback or whatever, but you know, on, on your content, but they'll, they're quiet. And then one day they're like, Hey, I've been following you for five years. I'd like to train with you. You know how many times I've literally, I just had a girl literally this morning said, Hey, I've, I'm from Canada. I've been following you for three years. I think you got two or three years. I love what you do. Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to know more about, about, about how, how I can work with you. So it's all like a lot of times it's the, the quiet people that uh, kind of like, follow you and then you know when time is right then you know yeah you're their go-to you're right and that's i'm smiling because that's happened to me numerous times over the years at first with facebook over the years with someone who i you know worked a past job with who never comments or anything i ever post and all of a sudden i get a message going hey you know i love this stuff that you're doing can i talk to you about training same exact experience everyone listening who has had a consistent time frame on social media has had that so remember that it's a good reason to continue to be active on all your forms of media because you can't predict when those rewards will happen. Unfortunately, it's like playing a fucking slot machine and you never know when you're going to win, but you've got to keep playing. Just don't actually gamble. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, what I was going to say, I forgot. (laughs) I was going to say something and I forget. What what I wanted to get back to me. What I wanted to go dive into is how specifically you, I guess, approach learning the skill of writing and how you went about 
attacking your writing and getting on a major publication because, and you said this, I believe on the last podcast, anyone who doesn't know you, English is your second language. They probably hear this. Can you tell? Just kidding. Really <laughs> accent, right? Yeah, yeah. If anyone doesn't know, you um, grew up in Israel and you learned, how old were you when you learned to speak English? About 20? I came here in 2008. I am 33, do the math. There you go. So how did you get out all these publications and, and craft and hone your writing over the years, uh, especially yeah. when you're writing in your second language? Yeah, um, honestly, I think, I mean, I went to school, so I had to learn, right, how to communicate. When I first started school, I dropped out because my English was so bad. But, um, you know, I pushed through it and I got, you know, and I got my degree, my science degree. And I think that gave me a lot of confidence in my abilities to write. I'm not the greatest writer, but I am extremely passionate about what I do. That's what I think it is. And, you know, I think I can always do better. But again, it's, it's, it's a matter of being passionate, knowing your shit, and then, you know, go after it and really just, you know, put yourself out there. And, you know, for instance, the, you know, bodybuilding.com, you know, the editor, I kept posting on Facebook and the editor sent me, hey, by the way, like, I love your feed. Like, you want to be like, I really appreciate your feed. Like, I love your posts and all that. So that's, you know, um, again, I think it's about, you never know where you get the opportunity and it's a matter of just, you know, keep up creating content, you know, keep up, keep, keep learning and you never know when you get up. But I do think you should also push for it. Right. Meaning like, if you want to, if you want to write for someone, then, you know, email, email them, ask them, Hey, can I write for you? Here's a sample or, you know, or, you know, connections, you know, like you said with bodybuilding.com, it's really about, um, again, it's, it's about, you know, how much you want it and how much you're willing to to, you know, to, 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 to fight for it and actually get to where you want to be. And what you mentioned about the connections. So by the time this episode is released, I'm not sure if it'll be published, but, and I always keep these things a secret until they're official, but I've been paid yeah. and I signed the documents on the contract. So I'll yeah. have my first article published on bodybuilding.com and set out yeah, and that that's a big bodybuilding.com is a big deal. So I'm excited about I that. Know. I know. I I always guard any publications that I have coming up until they're released. I have something else where a big media company in the fitness world has reached out to me and we've talked and I've agreed to write for them ongoing. We haven't started just yet. We're in the discussion phase of, of ideas, but I will not really reveal who they are until the time comes. Um, sort of gather my thoughts here too, because I had a little bit more on this, but the, the connection side. So I sat down at the end of December and I made a bunch of goals for this year. And I've been writing for Teenation for a little over two years. You've been published on there. I've written for True Coach for a while, but I, I didn't want to stay committed to a month a monthly article at True Coach. So I loved it as a venue, but I moved on from it. And I try to write some stuff for my own website. I'm actually terrible at keeping I up. I know. I'm so bad at it. I want to, but then I'm like, uh, I already sent them my my articles. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't publish it on my website. So I know. It's a nice problem to have when you have other commitments where you can't get enough on your own website. So we'll just I know. I know. I agree. But I set the goal of I wanted to write for two new major publications this year. And just by 
happenstance, Jonathan Goodman and I got talking about a, a concept that he liked that I put on social media. And that turned into an article where it's now been published on the PTDC, which is a very reputable thing in our world. So I love that. Right. I will, you know, I'll, I'll have some ongoing stuff periodically with those guys. And then, so John and I were again talking and he knew about this plan. So he's like, well, you know, why don't I introduce you to the editor of bodybuilding.com, Nick? And my plan was, is once I had a little bit of time, I was going to actually talk to you because you're so connected. Yeah. And I was going to say, yeah, well, of course. let's talk about, you know, me approaching these guys, but John already right. took care of it. I also have a connection through muscle and fitness magazine. Now I've never published for them. They've actually shared my work on their social media feed. And one of their previous editors had reached out to me last year about writing for them, but then they were sold and the editorial team changed over. So <laughs> You know, I didn't follow up with that and I don't have the bandwidth right now, but I talked I used to, to buy supplements from them I, I used years to have ago. Their, their magazine as a, as a subscription. Right. And, but I have a friend who used to write for them. And after they put one of my posts literally on the face of their wall on their social yeah. media feed, you know, I talked to my friend and I said, Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And because I had the writing chops and the credibility of writing for these other publications, my friend is like, here, contact this editor, drop my name. And it's just something I haven't even had the time to follow up on because it's just too much at a certain point. So I'll follow up with these things as we go, but your relationships, your network, you, you still have to do the work. And I always- 100%. Like for and own. I think and I think also um, when it comes down to like being published in the media and all that, like I think it's also a matter of obviously like do the work, give 110% and always be like very appreciative. Like like for instance, like with self, like I did not expect that at all. Like I thought I was just going to contribute to one, to one article or two articles or whatever, but then it's an ongoing thing. And then now because of self, so, you know, I, I got three other women for self that contacted me for content for that and then health.com three times already. So again, I think it's, it's, it's a, if you truly, if you truly, um, you know, do, if, if you, if you do the work and you, and you're appreciative and you're like, and you really want to bring value, I think people see that and then they, they, you know, they, they, they trust you and they trust your work and they, they and they want to help you. That's what I think. So tell me, tell us more about the experience of getting into self magazine and elaborate a bit more on the ongoing importance of that. Yeah. I mean, it was not, I mean, I, I just, I thought I was just going to contribute to like one or two articles and then, it turned out very well. And when I talk about working out or, you know, anything like that, I'm very, very passionate. And I think it showed. And I have no problem in, you know, giving up my time in explaining what I mean. And I don't, you know, I don't just email, you know, you can talk on the phone, that's fine. And they appreciate it. And then when I appreciate it, and then, you know, then other editors, you know, reach out to me and they're like, hey, I, I've been seeing you on self a lot you know, do you mind helping me with this article? I write for health.com or, you know, another editor for self or another or article that, that has a little bit of a fitness component. If, you know, they want my opinion on that. So again, I think it's just, just, I think for me, it was an issue. It was an issue of like, I think it has to do with luck. I do think luck has to do with, of course, you know, luck plays, plays a huge role, but I think it's about being appreciative and, and, you know, thanking whoever giving you the, the opportunity, like thanking them and giving them more than they think they will get. That's actually huge. 
that also is true of how we treat our clients yeah. in every relationship anyway, right? Of course, of course, absolutely, absolutely. You know, luck plays a role. But let's say the person who's waiting around and is just writing for social media, and I have some thoughts on, on writing for social media in a moment too. But if you're writing on social what do you mean? What do you mean writing for social media? You mean writing like a post? Writing a post and writing, oh, okay. writing the, the captions below the post. And okay. so I'll come back to that because there's more to that thought. But if you okay. think that just posting on social media and growing social media is going to get major publishers to come knock on your door, you're missing steps. Oh, of course not. This is why I, I do say you need a website. You need to be writing things for your own website. That's what, hold on. That, that's I'm gonna kind of, that's why it's so crazy because nowadays, you know how you want to differentiate between people that know what they're doing and people that don't? A lot of them only have a social media following. If you notice that, they don't actually have a website. They treat their social media as if it's their website. Did you notice that? And it can work if your goal is to build online clientele. It's not to say that that can't work. However, I don't think it can work as much because again, you're giving, okay, you're putting out posts, but then what do we know about you? What do we know about your, 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 uh, um, your your testimonials? What do we know about your credentials? What do we, right? I think like when you go to someone's website, you kind of like, in a way, I guess, enter their house. I don't know how to explain it, right? Like meaning you have the about, you have testimonials, you have the blog. I think a website is, is a truly place for people. It's, it's like your, uh, your uh, uh, what's, the, what's the word? Your, uh, the card when you hang, when you, when you hand to people, when you meet them, business card, God, business card. So yeah, I think it's truly important. I, I, I do think it's important to have a website. And we will see people on who just, only have social media who do attract online clientele. And that seems to be a new model. You're right. If you want greater depth, and I think grander industry success to grow beyond that, I think you need more. But there are people who are doing okay. And some in our quarter complain about some of those people because they tend to think of those as the quote, influencer types who are not as qualified, who are doing a shallower job with their programming in larger numbers and but it doesn't necessarily, no, it doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, why? If you have a huge following, then you don't know what you're talking about? Well, we, some people tend to look at it that way. And, and I agree with you, it, it's not an automatic thing. But the main point I have there is, let's not worry about what those people are doing. Because, and it's my social media post that I put up today as of the day of recording. You know, it's like, if you get caught up in what someone else is doing with their social media feed, then you're immediately thinking in terms of external locus of control instead of what you can do to control your Correct. own efforts, your own outcomes. And yeah, it's a slow you know, process that doesn't have any obvious reward at specific junctures to your amount of time or effort. It's unexpected. Right? But if you are just caught up in, oh, this person is a influencer and they show their ass too much. Okay, cool. We know that stuff goes on out there in the industry. Right, right. right. But that shit isn't affecting you. It's not at yeah. all affecting you. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think you should ever compare yourself because again, also like, A, you should never compare yourself because that will also just put you in such a bad negative mindset, but also like you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah, I mean, you do you. You do you. And we <laughs> That's have, how I look at it. Yeah, and we have people in our industry who have very successful social media followings 
who also have the career capital to back themselves up and they're very capable people. Jordan Syatt is a wonderful example of that. Huge social media. Jordan is amazing, yes. And yet he's been writing articles for forever. You know, he started out, I think, in the industry. He was in the industry as a teenager. And I know his article, he was spending time, he's told the story numerous times that he didn't really like, uh, you know, school, like university. So he would spend a lot of his time working on his website, training people, writing articles for that sort of stuff. And very early yeah. on, he was, right, he was trying to sound like Eric Cressy or to, to impress Eric Cressy. He's open about, well, that was a mistake, not speaking in the general language of the end user. But he was still doing the work then. He's been very successful on, on YouTube and video yeah. content. He's got two podcasts that are active. He's had other podcasts in the past. So he's been involved in a lot of different long-form pieces of career capital, which has allowed him then to turn around and also figure out social media and blew up his social media at a really critical right. time. But his social right. media success does not take away from or mask all the other things that he's done. Of course. He's been, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, of course. Jordan, of course. Yeah, he's been, yeah, I mean, he's been writing articles for years. You know, I remember he, he told me that he, you know, he used to, um, he entered at Cressy. So he's been in the industry for a while. And yeah, it's amazing what he's doing now with his social media and his career and all that. Yeah, Jordan is fucking amazing. And this is sort of funny because as, as much of a friend as I, I consider Jordan, how great he's been and multiple appearance on the podcast and you as well. I have not met either of you in person, despite we had planned to be at the, the Kansas City Fitness Summit last year. Of course, <laughs> And we know that the world is slowly. You know, it's crazy going. when you think about it, right? Like we, uh, we've never met in person. Right. And how like the world has been screwy for this last year. And it's been a year. I just celebrated my 43rd birthday this past weekend. And I remember Ooh, I had a small happy birthday. Thank you. I had a small gathering of friends last year for my birthday, about half wouldn't come because things were escalating. And then the following Tuesday, the gyms were announced closed here. And it was at my birthday having drinks with a couple of friends that I realized like I need to put together a home gym now because they're going to shut the yeah. gym. And so I did. And thankfully I was able to gather up equipment and borrow a few things and had a well-equipped gym just right to start with and add a piece along the way. But we are going to eventually get back to traveling within our industry and conferences, but yet that still might be slow going. So, you know, what are your quick yeah. thoughts on what we can expect or maybe say the next year or two in our industry? I think that we will, we will go for, for, uh, yeah, yeah. I think we will have conferences, but it's going to be probably like a lot smaller, unfortunately. Um, Look, I, 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 I don't know. I hope, I hope we'll, we'll go back to normal, but you know, who knows, honestly, now with all the, some people are vaccinated, some people are not, and then the variants and this and that. Look, you can hope for the best, you know, but slowly I feel like we're seeing a little bit of a, you know, glimpse of light with the, you know, with the vaccine and people are a little bit less, I guess, more relaxed. I noticed it with my clients, majority of them are vaccinated. Um, and they're, I guess they're less uh, fearful, whatever you want to call it, over, over this, this craziness. So There's going to arrive a tipping point where the media and social media and the, the loudest, most negative voices tip to where the, the fear-based stuff. I mean, that's media. That, that is just how it is. Whatever the reality of how bad this has been this year, there's also, it's all been based in fear 
and magnification of of the negative stuff because that's what draws in eyes and, and gets people to follow whatever media channel we're talking about. But the collective effect of that has been a lot of people who are afraid to leave their homes, who are still very, very overwhelmed by just the bombardment of all this negative messaging for the last year. It's going to take a tipping point past which enough people feel safe. And we have evidence to support that it is safe to travel and, and go back to normal life again to where the media is going to be able to let go of that or s- switch around to the, the good news about the world reopening again. And it's going to be that tipping point that changes everything to where we start to get back to normal and beyond that. What do you, oh, what do you think about the gyms? Do you think I have my, um, I want to ask you and then I'll say, do you think people are going to go back to the gyms? Absolutely. Or you think so? Absolutely. Humans are social. Humans like social interaction. There will be more people who stay in their home gyms. Absolutely. So that's what, yeah. Do I think that membership will return to gyms to what it was? No. In terms of 100% within the first year to two? No. Do I think long-term gyms will continue to grow? The overwhelming majority of the North American population does not have a gym membership. There is a blue ocean of people who will hopefully realize the events of this last year will make them want to invest in their own health and well-being. The personal trainers and fitness professionals who stayed in the industry will see nothing but a surge of growth opportunity in the coming years. The gyms that survived all this will almost certainly come out of it okay. Um, The moment that we've opened our doors and evolved each of the two times after the lockdown was ended. And again, Alberta's been fairly good about this whole situation. It's not as densely populated as a lot of other places. We've been extremely busy and our gym has done fine. I don't know if that's true of all of the commercial gyms. Actually, the LA Fitness is up A lot of them fell through. A lot lot of them fell through, at least in my area. And I believe that. The LA Fitness here surged, did really well. Whereas the Good Life... I know they lost a lot of membership base, but Good Life put in a lot of like hour long blocks and other restrictions that were their own choosing and voluntary outside of what the government said they had to do. And that pissed off a lot of their member base. So we'll see what kind of happens with those entities. But I, I still think that the industry is in a really strong position to grow going forward. And any personal trainer who has held on and managed to get through this year, like you alluded to, you've, you've got a, a more a abundant and broad and flexible array of skills now than ever before you adapted to the situation so there's nothing that will knock you out of this industry let alone something like an asteroid hitting the earth in which case we're all fucked anyway so <laughs> a bigger problem. i think we have a lot we have a lot more opportunity now i mean yeah. as trainers god we have a lot more opportunity now and you know we can really truly diversify our income and um, I think, okay, so regarding the other, my question, I, I, I think that a lot of people, you know, you know who's going to be very successful? People, this is my opinion, yeah, people that don't work for a gym, people that work for themselves and go to the, the client's house. In-home training is going is gonna, to is gonna really um, be amazing. I think that people really love the whole idea of training in their house, not paying overhead, having access to weight, having the person comes to you, I think, I think that's, that's really, you know, that's really going to bloom. I do. You, you were already doing that beforehand. So 
Correct. That's my business. The model was in home training. I drive to you unless you want to come to a gym. And in that case, you know, I, 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 uh, I was uh, a contractor. I'm a contractor. So I have some thoughts, but I want to hear yours first because you've done it. Sure. What are the keys to doing that well? What do trainers need? To what, do? what? What are the keys to doing an in-home personal training model where you go to them doing it well? What are the keys to doing it well? Um, well, all the skills that you need in, in the gym, except for basically help them understand or explain that you don't need to be in a big gym setting. You don't have to have all those, you know, all the fancy equipment to get a good workout and to progress. You know, obviously, you know, it depends on the individual, but body weight and some, you know, essentially, essentially lightish weight anywhere between five to 25 can be quite, uh, quite effective. You'll be surprised. I think it, I, especially as a trainer for me, specifically, it made me a lot more creative, um, you know, in training people, just because we don't have a lot of, you know, access to, to equipment. And um, I think all the skills that you need in a gym setting is the same thing. Just, you know, if you, but if you do want to want to succeed in the in-person um, realm, I think it's in the um, in-home, in-home realm. I think um, since you don't have, you, right, you don't have, you don't, people don't see you at a gym and know that you're a trainer and want to hire you. You don't have that access, you know, to a lot of people. I think that's when um, um, word of mouth is huge. It's so, so, so important. Everyone who I work with is always a friend. It's always, and you know what, honestly, the biggest compliment for me was when almost every client of mine, unless the partner said no I really don't want to do it everyone said hey I'm working with Sivan I want you to start working with Sivan literally so that's huge I can't tell you how many couples I train not together separately but (laughs) because they don't (laughs) but you know how many like husbands and wives I I train and yeah I think it's it's, when it comes to that it's a word of mouth and yeah and and you know do a good work Do, do good work Here's a couple of practical implications too that you're going to immediately agree with. One is you also have to set sort of a geographic radius because remember there's time you take to travel to their homes. Absolutely. So a certain amount of geography beyond which it just isn't really worth it. And two. So I always had, I always had no more than 15 minutes. So essentially, and it's interesting because I always had no more than 15 minutes, right? If I finish a client and then whatever, 10, 15 minutes, I drive to the next one. I do the same thing even with the, with, even with the virtual one, right? I can't go from client one to client two without rest, right? Without like clearing my mind for a second, because you have to be on, right? So essentially it's the same time, even though I'm not driving, I'm, I'm, I'm in my house, but yeah, you're right, absolutely. And what goes in with that is, I mean, I for years have trained hour after hour after hour with the occasional one hour break, right? Yesterday I had six- But, you did, but you did take like a 10, 15 minute break between, right? <laughs> You nope. didn't? You nope. went straight? So I, I couldn't. Yeah. I could not do it. I could not do it. And it gets tiring, but you also get used to it. So for example, yesterday, six hours in a row at Evolve, and I trained six hours. And then I came home. Now I had an unusual three-hour break. I took a big nap because I was tired. And I've been run down and fatigued recently. And I had two more in a row that evening. But some of my days, the, the busiest days, may go six at Evolve and then four more at home in 11 hours. And I have, you know, an hour to drive home, eat a solid meal. I have smoothies and, and other things in between. Not everybody yeah. can keep up that pace. And honestly, yeah, that's, I can do that yeah. for either. But um, 
with the traveling between locations, you also have to factor in your ability to schedule and be compensated for your time. So I think, and and I know that you were dealing with what I will call an affluent clientele who could afford higher rates. You have to build in that added rate and travel into coming to someone's home. And I believe the type of who will go for in-home training is a type of client who will understand the value of that. And I've had people ask me to train them in homes before my schedules never accommodated it. And the way I would always deflect it, what I would say, you know, the travel time on either side of that, I would need to be compensated for. So I would need to charge, you know, in this example, double my hourly rate. Correct. Correct. Worth it. Absolutely. And, and here's a danger as well. You also do need to make sure that you're, you're investing in clients who are, you know, going to, you have to do the work to earn the long-term relationship. But if you have a client who you're training three times a week in their home, because of the difficulty of having adjacent people, let's say I go into a gym in the evening and I train six to nine, three hours in a row. And then you go into homes and then you, maybe you can only do two clients in that same time frame. Let's say you're paid extra for the time you can't train. But if you then lose that client, it actually is harder at a bigger hit on your income than if you lost one of your in-person clients because you have to fill that back in. So you do have- Wait, to... what do you mean? Wait, wait, I don't understand the difference. What do you mean? Well, so the difference? let's say you're charging $100 an hour, three times a week for an evening slot, right? Cool. And let's say with the same amount of time because of the travel, you could train two in-person clients for $75 a person back to back. So if you lose the in-person, the, the traveling into their home client, yeah. you lost not only the $300 a week from that client, but because you couldn't fill the adjacent time slot because of the travel, you don't have the income from the adjacent time slot. If I have an in-person client three times a week in the gym and two of them in a row, and I lose one of them, I still have the other time slots income. So I'm still making $225 a week instead of the 450. Right, but you make sure you charge a lot more than that. Yeah, exactly. Right. In my example, but you really want to make sure that you have really strong relationships and you have enough. I think, and I think I told you that last time that like when I train people, they sign a 12 week, 12 week, I was going to say 12 months, 12 week contract. And it's rare that people say after 12 months that they want to stop. Perfect. But again, like I go for, you know, I don't travel more than 20 minutes to a person and it's always no more than 15 minutes of driving between clients. So I don't lose that much time because I do charge. I, I'm considered extremely expensive. I'm not going to say the specifics, but I'm considered extremely expensive in my area. But again, I target the more affluent community. So. Perfect. There's the opportunity. So I hope someone you know, considers that as something that they could possibly do. So I think that was really helpful. It's, it's always great to talk with you. So let's make sure people know where to find you. Um, yeah. So Instagram, uh, Sivan Fagan Fitness, uh, my website, SivanFaganFitness.com and Facebook, Sivan Fagan Fitness or Strong with Sivan. I don't even remember. <laughs> Um, what, what is your Instagram? Let me, let me just double check this thing. Cause is it strong with Savan? 
I don't know. I think I think it's like it's Sivan Fagan Fitness, but then if you write strong with Sivan, it's still gonna come up because I changed the name. But you know how when you first log into Instagram, it stays. You know the the original name stays like that. So I don't know. It's it's. I don't know. I I vowed it. So it's Sivan S I V A N underscore Fagan F A G N underscore Fitness because I don't want anyone to miss out on you, right? So, Thank you. <laughs> you could have a much, much, much larger following than you already do. So guys, go check out Savannah, please. Um, she's wonderful, but a lot of really great stuff. And especially, you know, the guys, you're going to learn a lot from her, but female coaches, especially go check out the self stuff you're doing because your self articles are really practical, basic, actionable stuff that serves the, the people who might be interested in home training. It's very, very specifically targeted towards the type of person you train anyway. And there's a lesson in that. You know, if if you're going out of your way to create like this innovative, elaborate, new philosophical stuff, then maybe you're missing out on the actual point of doing it in the first place, which is creating really useful shit. Someone's going to read your stuff and go, okay, this applies to me. I want to go hire her. Right. Yeah. They're very, they're very good with targeting, obviously specifically women, but very specific, um, you know, age range and all that. And, and, and I think, and they, you know, they do it based on what they, you know, they see that is searched online and so basically what they call SEO. So, you know, so I get, you know, kind of like an outline of what they want me to talk about and then, you know, make up the workout and explain and, and all that. So yeah, it's very, very, very targeted. It's not just, you know, right a workout. <laughs> so yeah. So guys, go check out Savon and uh, anyone listening, obviously, you know, I'll, I'll do that obligatory, you know, give me a five-star review on iTunes, um, you know, share this with someone that you believe would help. I really appreciate the loyal audience that I've had. I know I had a, a break recently just because, you know, I was crazy busy, but uh, things seem to be working where I'm able to schedule this ongoing So look forward to another episode next week. And thanks for tuning in, Savon. Always 